Welcome back to the Locker Room Podcast, episode number 72. Um, I'm delighted today to be joined by Lee Hayes. Uh, we're following the, the, the soccer theme for you Gaelic fans and, and football as, as we know it, Hazy. Um, ex-colleague of mine at QPR, and he's ventured off now not, not only to other clubs within the UK, but also internationally. A very talented coach, and, and I had the pleasure to work with Hazy with many age groups uh, at QPR. So delighted to have you on, Lee. Thank you for coming on. No problem, Ross. Um, thank you for inviting me. No, you're welcome. And, and just before we kick off straight into this, uh, if, you, if you haven't already and you're not a member uh, of the Daily Sports Science, head over to the website. Lots of different uh, initiatives coming on. Our new webinar series is coming up as well with some fantastic speakers. And we've got lots of content out there with new practices going up all the time. So please head over to www.dailysportscience.com and check out what we've got available there. So, Hazy, um, I haven't spoke to you in a while. It's good to have a catch up just before we started this podcast and, and you seem to be flying abroad at the minute. Um, do, you want, do you want to just run people through? Because I know you've got quite an extensive list in your career so far. Do you want to take people through your journey and, and from a play in and a, and a coaching perspective and, and give us a bit of insight to where you are today? Yeah, no problem. Um, thanks, Ross. Um, yeah, so basically um, I played in England. I was on trial at various different clubs, um, Watford, one of them. Um, I was a very technical player. Um, that journey made me go to Brazil playing for two pro clubs out there, under under 19 and under 23s. Um, and then after that, I came back to England I had, and I played semi-pro for a couple of clubs. Um, from then on, I stopped playing. I went to university and then that's how I got into coaching. So basically, I went to uni to study a physical education and, and sport degree. Um, in the meantime, I was working part-time doing sports camps, football camps um, within London. Um, and then from that, I went into a college programme. Um, so I was working, after I finished my degree, I worked in a college programme with Tilbury, Tilbury Town, and I played part-time with them as well. Um, so yeah, so, and then from then I went into, I got a job as an unqualified teacher in a secondary school. Um, and I was working at Tottenham Development Centre, um, where that kind of, from then, that was kind of the bridge of literally, yeah, I really, really, really want to coach. And that's kind of shaped my coaching, my values and how I want to coach. Um, so in the Tottenham Development Centre, there was we focused a lot of individuals. So like making players very good technically, um, ball mastery and stuff like that. Uh, the programme was shaped by, um, you know, Chris Ramsey, Frank, um, a guy called Ricardo, um, who's a Dutch um, individual coach, and Richard Allen, Richard Allen as well, who's um, head of academy at QPR and head of recruitment at England. So the Spurs way, so they made it the Spurs way, making players good on the ball, one v one situation, um, and yeah, that's kind of how we got started. Um, and also, I was um, a teacher, so I was working part time. I was working part time at Spurs. Plus, I was teaching um, during the day. So, as you can see, like, I was kind of mastering my development in terms of working with kids, understanding kids, um, understanding how they learn, what their behavior patterns are like. Um, you know, how do I how do I coach individuals? How do I um, make the PE lessons and sessions focus on um, different learners? Um, so yeah, so I studied, I've done that. So I was doing a GTP, which is kind of you go into a school, one year teaching, unqualified, and then you get your teacher's qualification. Um, so I did that. 
And then from then, I was still working in the school for four years. Um, I left Tottenham. I went to Brentford when they first started the academy. Um, a, a good guy called Ozzy brought me in. Um, it was an interesting role. It was an individual kicking coach. Um, that was the role. So I worked from under nines all the way up to under 16s. So I'll take, um, probably be on a Tuesday, I'll take 10s, 9s and 11s. Then on a Thursday, I'll take uh, 12s, 13s, 14s. Um, then on a Saturday, no, sorry, Thursday would be 16s, 15s. And then on a Saturday, I'll take the younger age groups as well. Um, which was interesting because it's the first time they've done a role like that, um, which I focused a lot on group, small players, like in terms of small individual groups, focus on passing, receiving, um, like passing long range, passing short, a little bit of ball mastery as well. But it, like he just really wanted them how, how to strike a ball properly, um, how to kick the ball properly. Um, and where, where I was, well... I did class myself as good technically, as a good technical player. I thought, um, and he he knew that as well. So he said, look, I want you to demonstrate. I want you to be very good at demonstrating for the kids so they can learn off you um, and you teach them as well. So yeah, it was an interesting role. Did that for a year. Um, and then another role come up at QPR with Richard Allen helped me to get that role, which was um, an individual skills coach. Uh, I think you remember that, Ross. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of, I worked with um, all the age groups from under eights to under 16s. Um, and we developed a kind of like a QPR 12 skills. So you, they have to, and you have to work in threes. So you had like all different skills um, and players knew the patterns. They knew the individual stuff that they had to do. I worked with, I think I worked with like, it was 30 minutes a session, focus on individual skills. And then I linked it to pressured situations where, they have to make decisions. So recognizing when and where to use their skills um, and where, if there's time and space and up against defenders. So a lot of 1v1s, a lot of 2v2s. Um, and I always had this belief in them sessions was the focus was high intensity and developing players' individual skills. Um, I think I did that for a year. Um, and then I got the full-time job um, working as lead foundation at QPR from um, under seven, under eight to under 11s, uh, which was very, very, very good because, you know, I've always wanted to work full-time in football. So I left teaching at that time, went to become the lead of lead foundation at QPR. Um, And then, yeah, just working with Chris Ramsey, um, developing the philosophy of the club because Chris just came in in, at that time. Um, And he helped me, you know, to get the job as well. Um, yeah, just trying to create an environment where players are f- free to express themselves, um, not fixed in one position, um, various different positions, um, playing with freedom, developing individuals. Um, that was a good, interesting role. Then I moved up to the YDP, and that's where I worked with Ross, um, doing the 16s to under 12s. Um, each year I'll take an age group. So my first year I took the, I think it was, yeah, I took the 16s. Second year was the 15s, then it was 14s and 12s and stuff like that. But I oversee the whole thing. Um, and it was, yeah, it was good development. I learned a lot of uh, the coaches at QPR, very open, um, learn off of Ross, learn off of everybody, um, Paul Hall, Chris Ramsey, um, yeah, everyone. And to be fair, it, 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 was, it was good. It was a challenge. It was hard work. Um, but that side, I kind of learned, especially helping 
this 15, 16 is about the tactical side as well. Um, you know, you, you, you focus more on unit work. Yes, you want to focus on the individual, but we did a lot of like unit work, um, a lot of different types of practices where, you know, we had set practices, which helped because the players knew what the practices were. You just kind of had to kind of develop the players within the practice. Um, yeah, so, and then left QPR after I think six, six or seven seasons. Um, wanted to take a break from academy football to spend a bit more time with my family and, and myself. Um, I joined a programme called Kinetic, which helped players get into academy football where they study full-time in a college um, and then they um, play Wednesdays in a semi-pro league and then play um, FA Youth Cup as well. So I did that as a kind of school liaison. So I was working in a school plus doing that. And then this season I did, um, I was the academy manager for that for that project as well. So I kind of made a quick transition um, academy manager oversee two sites developing different players trying to get players on trial um, yeah, that was good um, and then on part time with that I worked with the lead um, under 14s at West Ham for I think I started in August and left in January and that was interesting because it was a different way of working with um, um, Kenny um, and Callum and also Luke Smith who's the lead um, 14s to 12s there um, good, they, they focus a lot on they got their I, IDPs um, focus a lot on that and also um, they focus a lot on teamy as well which is good they got they organise their pressing um, they, they, they like to pass the ball they are they are big on one-to-ones but one-on-ones but they really focus on possession, getting up the field as quick as possible, can they score, can they create um, but I kind of bought a different way of I kind of brought my spin on it at West Ham. So, like, I would focus a lot on finishing um, and a lot on 1v1s and 2v2s. But, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Learned off a lot of people there as well. And West Ham is a good club, got good good people there. And then, yeah, so, and then in January, um, I took a took a coaching job in Japan, um, a J-League One club called Yokohama FC. Um, yeah, so I've always wanted to work abroad and, you know, I had other offers in Saudi and, um, yeah, just in Saudi. And I thought Japan would be a kind of a better learning experience, um, more organised and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, so my role at the moment is overseeing the elite programme from 10s, 11s and 12s um, and kind of really kind of writing syllabus, writing the syllabus for that, um, coaching the coaches within that programme as well. And then for the academy, I'm, I'm a technical individual coach. So working on, you know, individuals that need to improve, um, like a forward need to kind of work on his ones. So I'll do stuff like that. Um, yeah, so yeah, I'm just enjoying it. And yeah, being away from home is difficult, but I'm really open to learn off all the coaches here. So yeah. Cheers, AJ. I knew you had a, a long career, so I, I expected that to come on a bit. But thanks very much. I can I can definitely vouch for you as a, as a nice technical player. There's been a few staff games where I've just give you the ball and let you try to do stuff in the middle of the pitch. So that's uh, definitely something you bring bring to, bring to it. Just a very quick one on then. Oh, a couple of things on your career. So like you spoke there about so you went to Brazil as a player, um, and yeah. now so you've now travelled to Japan. How how important do you think that is for yourself and? getting out of your comfort zone, going and, and you know, sampling these different cultures and work, immersing yourself in different ways of thinking. And would you recommend it to other coaches, you know, out there coaching in various sports? I think, um, I th- like, 
I grew up watching Brazilian football. So, you know, when I got a chance to go and play in Brazil, I, I jumped at it. Um, at, in, in England, nothing was happening for me because I was very small, very weak. Um, so, yeah, so I went to Brazil and it kind of changed my mentality in terms of football and like different cultures. So I, I couldn't speak Portuguese, went there, couldn't speak the language. Um, but I felt that football is one language, isn't it? So, you know, once you get on a football pitch and you can perform and, you, and you, you're open, you, you listen, you try to learn the language rather than not learn the language, then I think people accept you. And, and that's what happened, really. People accepted me there. Um, I can now speak good Portuguese. So that gets gets me by. And then I kind of kind of took that experience and kind of done that here. So, you know, I think one of my one of my strengths is kind of building relationships and talking um, I feel that I'm a good communicator around people and and people kind of like me as a person. So I think that's the kind of skill set I have. Um, and here in Japan, I've kind of took that from Brazil and I've kind of linked that to here and just getting to know people, ask them questions. You know, when I, I have to give I have to give some coaches feedback and I've given it, but I don't go in and say, oh, you need to do this, you need to do that. I've just come in and said, look, you know, what do you think at first? And then I'll be like, no, I'll I'll kind of do it like this. Um, here's are my points, but however you did this well. So like um, I've done a lot of observing so far and yeah, I've enjoyed it. Um, I would recommend any coach going abroad if you can. Um, it opens your mind. You know, yes, you're missing home, but, you know, I think if you're a resilient person, you, you can get by that and you've you got FaceTime now. So it helps. But learning, learning a different way of culture, learning a different style, um, you know, in Japan, they're very technical. Um, you know, they, they like to play in speed. They like to play like in around the area. They really pop the ball like in triangles and diamonds quickly. Um, but yeah, I, w- I would recommend it highly to any coach. Yeah, it's class. As you know, I went to Qatar before QPR and it, it changed my whole like outlook on, on things, you know, working with different nationalities, different styles and methods and things like that. Um, Hazy, you spoke there about like you're a technical player. Um, do you think that playing, do you think you would have had your career to date and the way that you got certain roles and your strengths as a coach, if you weren't that type of player, do you think that molded your career from the off? I, I think it did. Um, and then I think, I know coaches talk about biases and stuff like that, but I think when, when like it is, it, you do, you have a little bit of bias, especially when you watch players as well. Like, you, you know, you look for players that are very similar to yourself, which is, you try not to, but you do. Um, and then you look at technical players and stuff like that. But I think, me being technically good on the ball and you know be able to like show demonstrate being yeah. a very good, you know demonstration player and be like being able to do that with the kids i think straight away it gains respect and the players are like oh especially younger ones they oh, oh i want to learn how to do that oh yeah i see the coach can do it um and i think that's one of the reasons why i've come here as well because you know that's one thing i've noticed here is that you know, coaches get involved in the games and they get involved in the session and, and they drive it. And and that's one thing like I really enjoy is that, you know, you, you don't have to be because there's different coaches for different parts of the game. So, you know, I think this has helped me to get where I am, you know, being able to demonstrate a quiff turn, being able to do a step over, being able to show energy on the ball. Um, again, you have to, you can't just be technical good and don't, you know, can't explain it and can't break it down. So I think you need... I think you need both, but you know, you if you if you're strong in one area, then then that's fine. Yeah, and then and then you you know your development plan and what you need to work on for the others. But I do think it's important, especially for the younger ones. And 
probably why you were so good at your job and we'll touch upon it in a minute your demonstrations and energy you brought to it i remember in lockdown when we did we, we had all the players log on to zoom and you would do like a 30 minute technical session and like you'd come at the end and you'd have to do another one another age group and you you were wrecked because it took that much out of you but that passion that energy in those demos that, that's what that's what infuses the kids yeah 100 percent. and then i, I think had the physical one and they were bored <laughs> get away first was <laughs> no i think like for me i think you know as a coach like you, you, energy is so important uh, and, yeah. and and I think we used to have um, back and forth about high intensity sessions and I remember that with you um, I used to just say to you oh look high intensity all the time and you used to kind of educate me of like no you got this and that um, and we used to have battles with that but yeah that's you know we always had we always had a laugh about it but yeah. um Little good relationship yeah. yeah but I think like with the with any I think energy character and personality um, as a coach and being um, kind of drive the session that's so important as a coach yeah totally agree it was interesting to say that because we used to have those discussions in the office then when I started coaching I completely changed the other way and I was like you so this uh when, when yeah. coaching, you see it through a different lens and that's for uh, sure. cool. um one more thing before we go on to the, the individual skill development so I think a lot of listeners will get loads from that you've worked a lot in and it's something that's come up before you've worked a lot in education so you've been like unqualified teacher then you did your teacher qualification and you've worked a lot with kids on that side how important was that in your um, development as a coach? And what sort of like skills did you take over from, from the education and teaching side into your coaching? Um, yeah, like I think I transferred a lot of lot of skills. Like the reason, like I know this might sound silly, but the reason I went into, the reason why I've done a degree in physical, physical education and sport, because I looked at all the top, well, some of the top managers like Jose Mourinho, um, uh, Van Gaal, they they all've got like that physio education experience. Um, I know Paul is it Paul Clement as well. I think he's got that yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, so I, it, it, it links and it transfers. Like so, for example, if you can manage a classroom or a PE lesson and you learn them behaviours, you learn them strategies, then they're more than likely you can link that into the session. Um, and then again, you got you know you got individuals within a PE lesson which are different abilities, whereas in it's the same in football. You've got different standards. You've got different levels. So if you can find a way of kind of challenging that in a classroom, then you can link that into into football. Now, I'm not saying all PE teachers are going to make good coaches, but no. I had a plan in my head that you know I'm going to get a degree, and the degree will help you with alongside your your coaching badges. And you know, I, I definitely think they're transferable skills, hundred percent. And 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 I've kind of you know now looking back at it. Um, like being the lead phase at QPR Foundation and YDP, I think that's one skill I used within the academy to help me um, develop players as well and and kind of build a relationship as well. Yeah, yeah, I think that's important. Your one of your one of your other strengths was your connection with players, and I think how you connected with them and got your message across. But I think from a teaching perspective, like people forget sometimes that coaching is teaching. So like they, they put it in a separate remit and say, okay, well, we'll coach them. But you still, especially at those ages, you're teaching them skills all the time and, and understanding and, and philosophies, whatever it is that you're working on in, in, in your syllabus. Um, Hazy, just to move on a little bit now, and there's been a lot of discussion around, we have a lot of discussion here in the group around closed skills. So like the individual skills development that you do currently and you've done throughout your career and been very successful at it and, and a games-based approach and people learning stuff in the game. You touched upon it around you develop the skill and then how to like how to make important decisions under pressurized situations and I guess then it's more game realistic but just stripping it back 
how important is it that players can actually perform? And you went into Brentford. I didn't know that actually as a, as an individual kicking coach that they Crazy. taught like the biomechanics of the skill and taught how to perform these skills in a very close environment where there's no distractions before then you put them into to the game itself. Yeah, yeah like like um, I always go back to the Dutch model, um, and I know they do a lot of ball mastery and you know just um, a player and and the ball. And I, and I think from the young age age groups, it's so important. Like it's so important that you you know the players develop like technical ability, just the ball, the ball and them. Um, yeah, and I think like isolating the skills. So you know you got your different types of skills like stepovers, you know your Zidane's, your Cuev turns. Um, doing it just individually, I think is a place for it. And and I would always. Uh, um, I was all uh, anywhere I go, I always do that. So I start off with ball juggling, um, different types of surface to control the ball. Um, and then I'll start with some ball marshy stuff, like different turns, different cuts. Um, one thing I'd always focus on, um, and it might, you know, I, I think it's right, is, you know, if, if you're working with a beginner, then you might have to slow the skill down and break it down even more. If you're working with an elite player, then you might have to speed it up. So high intensity, so doing skills on a move change direction, working on their different foot patterns. But I think like, you know, any session that I do 15 to 20 minutes, half an hour, always focus on individual ball skills, no matter what age group I'm doing it. If I ever be a first team coach, I'm not sure I'll do that, but maybe, maybe I should, maybe I would, I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, and then I'll go into kind of, okay, now they've learned that, or that's part of the session. The next session would be, okay, now can I put interference in it? Now can I challenge them? Um, now they have to make decisions because we all know that players can be technically good, but they make poor decisions. Yeah. Then, you know, and, and there's players out there that's been like that. Um, so how do you put the two together? And then I, I think is that you go into 1v1s, um, then you go into 2v2, so they recognise, so they 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 have the skill isolated and then now they're recognising the distance and space between the 1v1s and the 2v2s. Now they have to get their head up. Now they have to position themselves. Okay, well, if I do a step over this side, the defender will lead the other side, then he goes the other side. So they understand about time and space and when to drive, you know, when to pass and stuff like that. You have to do, you have to, you have to make the players make decisions. So for me, individual isolated skills is important, but I think you have to marry the, you have to merge both of them together. Of course. Of course, and an interesting chat we had a guy that's uh, coaching in, in Ireland last week, and um, he said the same thing. Like people are looking at it as like two different methods, but use the best of both methods and blend them together. That's what's going to give you the best the best success. Hundred percent. Like again, like we know that you know football, you know footballs. You have to make decisions all the time, and you know you actually develop and players decision making, and you have to put sessions on that's going to develop their understanding. They can't just stand still and, and do you know, different types of skills and you're not putting that into practice. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally agree, Hazy. How would you differentiate that then between, so you spoke a little bit, well, it depended on the age, but would you spend more time with a beginner then, for example, on these individual skills and less time with someone who's got a really good skill base and go towards more like possession and game-based approach where it's more decision-making? Or would you always have the same set time throughout your session plans? No, I would, like again, if you're working with a beginner, you have to be more slow. You have to be, you have to, you know, you have to understand. Like you may have, may, you might have to break it down a little bit more. Um, you know, you might have to put no interference to, for the first couple of sessions. Um, but if you're working with elite player, depends his position. If if he's if he's a you know a winger, 
where you know he wants to develop different types of skills, then you'll put in, you'll start with the basics to start off with to warm up, and then you'll go into more combination of skills, um, you know, and then you know what type of skills he can do because you know some wingers they'll have like three or four skills in their in their armor, and they want to just refine that or they want to develop a little bit more. Um, so yeah, so for me, I'll focus. I'll kind of slow it down if they're beginner. Um, really strip it to basics and give them the fundamental skills, um, like your different hooks and your different turns, your V turns and stuff like that. And then go into more complex actions um, and then introduce like 1v1s, 2v2s and stuff like that. Yeah, very interesting. And I think it's important for listeners to note, like some of these players, you think of like when they're young, they learn all the skills, they get a real repertoire of, of stuff. But as you get through the pyramid, as you said there, positionally, you do some of them skills, but like a centre-half's not using it because he's going to do a step over on the, but it's so big, it's good ball feel. And so that he's comfortable receiving the ball when the ball gets played to him and his hooks are nice so that he can manipulate the ball in possession. That's important yeah. isn't it, to note that, is that you're not just creating players to do stepovers all over the pitch or uh, you're making them comfortable on the ball. So even like, even if you're doing ball mastery, like, like they're opening their hips in it. So they, you know, that's kind of linking to receiving the ball, isn't it? You know, open your hips, shoulders are open, looking to drive into the space. Um, so yeah, them, you know, them, them things are really important. Even if you're doing passing as well, like, and you're isolating the passing or um, shooting and stuff like that. I think repetition is so important as well. Um, you know, going over stuff over, and you'll you always see the best players talk about it. You know, doing something over and over again, and just not getting bored of it. And and I can I can actually talk from experience in terms of that. So you know how I become skillful. I used to just develop just doing skills all the time, like literally with a ball all the time. You know, doing kick ups, doing different types of skills, and and that's how I become confident and comfortable on the ball. So. You know, that's kind of a put. I've linked that to my coaching all the time. Perfect. And then just the other one to, to go on to. So you spoke about your skills development and things like that, but your individual work that you've done in the past and also you're doing now. So how does that differ slightly when you talk about like IDPs and positions? Is it you got any examples of where you work with small groups of players and, and and individuals to develop that side of the game? Yeah. So like for example, at QPR, we used to do like we used to break off and do individual stuff like unit work. So I work with you know the forward line, working on finishing, working on running in behind, um, and then working on wingers, like, you know, different types of crosses, um, their, 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 their check-in and movement to receive the ball and then they can cross first time, um, cutback crosses. Um, also my time at, you know, West Ham as well when they worked on ILP. So, you know, we'll take players for 20 minutes working on receiving. So I might have a, a defender that needs to work on 1v1s and a, and a winger that needs to work on 1v1s, and he just merged them together. Yeah. So you have the defender clearing the ball, coming out, and then you have the um, winger receiving it, and they just go 1v1 against each other. So you, you're kind of merging both of them together. So he gets better at... So you can coach the defender, you know, thinking about his hips and his side-on, and can you nick the ball, can you get your arm across, and then you work on the winger, can you, you know, keep the ball moving, you know, change the direction, can you push it past him? and then recognise when there's a, a, an opening to shoot. So that that's kind of the work I've done. And I've, I've really, I've really, I've really enjoyed it and doing individual stuff because now like a lot of, well, a lot of academies, a lot of clubs now are, are kind of going that way. Yeah. Especially, yeah. With the older, especially with the older age groups as well. Yeah. So like, well, 
I guess in our situation, when you get to under 15s and up, you'd start introducing that unit stuff. Um, but that's when you can really coach the details in, not only like technical detail, but also understanding on the pitch and when to move, why to move and things like that. It's, I think it's really important. Hazy, I think um, I think I'm going to know like a lot of the answers to this, but I just want you to give the listeners, if possible, like some general philosophy points that you have as a coach, like even changes, different different teams, different ages. But what as a coach, what principles do you go by, and and how do you set up sessions and teams and, and things like that? Okay, so like um, you know, for me, I think developing players that can be adaptable and solve problems. Um, I think you know that is that is massive for me. You know, putting them in an environment where it's challenging, putting them in an environment where they have to make so many decisions. Yes, they have to be comfortable on the ball, but they have to solve solutions. They have to come up with um, making decisions. Because um, I think personal football is all about decision-making process. Um, for me, uh, creating an environment where players can express themselves. Like I'm very massive on, you know, attacking players. Yes, you know, being... You know, being good in one v one situations, but also being good in two v one, three v two. So recognizing when to dribble or when to pass, um, or when to drive with it, when to shoot. Um, you know, in terms of my coaching style, you know, um, I like I like coaches and and I like coaches that just coach players. So being commanded, being command. Um, you know, helping them to understand the game, teaching them the game. Like I said, different unit work. Um, I'll say Q and A is massive as well. Um, you have to ask players um, players questions. You have to, you know, you have to get them to feel like what do they want to learn, and then checking it as well, um, like in the classroom, really, or as a PE teacher. Um, I think another one for me is feedback of how to improve players and being honest. Um, and and I think like that's a kind of a, a touchy area with 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 some coaches because you, you can do it in a certain way where players might get a bit upset. But you have to be cute and you have to know what players, you have to know your, your players in terms of building a relationship, what players can take honest feedbacks, what some players can't, they'll get defensive. Um, and yeah, but that's that's how I like to be honest and open. Um, and in terms of my values, um, and I've always kind of stuck with um, stuck with three values for me. So um, being open-minded. So knowing like learning off of any person. So for example, it could be you, Ross, as an SNC coach, you know, it can be, um, you know, the goalkeeper coach of how he plays out from the back, linking it with the goalkeeper. Um, just being open-minded, like learning off of anyone, um, learning off of, you know, coaches that's played at, at the top level, coaches that have, you know, worked with the first team. Um, they're, they're, that's, for me, being, being open-minded is very big for me. Um, hard work. So, like, you know, just being, you know, being on time, um, you know, just working hard, working the graft, um, and then being creative. So you know, being creative. Don't be shy to kind of put your stamp on it. You know, come up with sessions that that are are good for the players, but also sometimes sessions that look crazy are probably the best ones for the players. Like that are like literally that you know you might have three goal game, you might have you know you might have two footballs in a game, um, and I think, yeah, like I said, I've done that at West Ham one time and they're like, what's going on here? Like two footballs in one game, it's unrealistic. But then if you look at it on the other side, you know, you're going to get more shots. You're going to get more, um, you're going to get more 1v1s. You're going to get more overloads. You're going to get underloads. Um, you're going to get the keepers working harder. Um, yeah, and then you have to check, okay, that ball's over there. This ball's here. You know, I need to be more aware. 
So kind of when I, them kind of things I've learned throughout coaching is that don't be afraid to do something different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of like my, you know, philosophy in terms of coaching a team, you know, I would want my team to be attacking, um, you know, a possession type passing team, not just possession, just playing around the back and stuff, passing forwards. Like I find that, you know, not all teams, but some teams play for the sake of just playing. For me, I would like to, you know, my players to be able to play forward when they can. Um, and if that's the first pass. Um, and But the main aim is to score goals. So, you know, being creative and, you know, want to score goals, love attacking football. Um, and then, for, you know, out of possession is, you know, you've got press from the front, being aggressive um, and kind of like coaching players of how to press, um, even coaching players of how to play out from the back um, giving them solutions. Um, yeah, that's kind of like my philosophy in a nutshell. Yeah, very very well said. I love the fact like we always go to attacking like is in the forefront of your mind because um, I was always the other way, just obsessed with defending. So probably why we, we had some good conversations together anyway. Um, Hayley, we spoke briefly earlier about the connection. So like having that real connection with players, and I think it's something you do like very well at so many different ages. How how do you get that? Uh, is it something that's in you naturally, or do you think it's something that can that, that coaches can work on? And what sort of things did you do with the players to get that connection and and you know get that buy-in from small players all the way through to to the upper end? I think from um from a fan at foundation level in terms of like at QPR, I think I was kind of like I brought a lot of energy, so like I would always just make it fun. Um, you know, I would sometimes have a little laugh and a joke um and I'll kind of and I learned this off of Chris as well he's like you have to kind of what what are they interested in so like to make conversation with the younger ones like what are they watching you know what's what's you know you know what are they involved in um you know who's the key players like what players do they like um so I would always kind of build a relationship like that you know how's how's you know how's school today you know what do you do in school what did you learn um and then yeah I just kind of built relationships up like that with the younger ones um with the older ones um I kind of did the same thing but more kind of linking it with you know you know their development like in terms of okay so what do you want to work on yeah and and kind of I think with with any players I think you have to build like key relationships like helping players develop um and players have to respect you from from the get-go so you know if you do something so I used to kind of especially with the 15s, I used to mess about with a couple of players in terms of, ah, oh, I'm going to nutmeg you today. And they'll be like, what? And then I'll nutmeg one of them and they'll be like, oh. And then you're kind of gaining respect like that. Um, or I'll just joke about, like, oh, you can't nut me, nutmeg me and stuff like that with some of the players. Um, and yeah, that's how I kind of build that relationship. But they got to be able to trust you as well. And, you know, when you say, when you get your message across, they got to trust you and respect you of what you're saying is, is teaching them. And then when you show them that you care, like if they've had a bad game and you go over, give them feedback and, and, you, and you're saying to them, look, it's, it's fine. Like mistakes happen. Um, so I would always talk to the players and I think communication is key um, when, you, when you're a coach. So that's kind of how I built up relationships. Even here, like I'm, with the coaches, I've literally, I can't speak the language. I'll go interpreter. So I'll go over to different coaches and just say, look, like, how was your session? I would just literally talk to them, um, and and I and I have learned a little bit Japanese, so I'll, I'll say Japanese, and, I, and I, I'm not scared to make a mistake. And it was the same in 
in in in Brazil, like I spoke Portuguese, but I think when you start speaking the language and you show them that, wow, he's actually caring because he's learning the language and he's trying to help me and develop. I can count up to 10 here as well in Japanese. So I'll, I'll do that in the sessions as well. And they're looking at me like, oh, he can speak. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it, 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 these little tricks help. And, and then they come over with a conversation and you have to get the interpreter back over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that, what a skill set that would be if you manage to manage to learn a bit of the language. That's fantastic, mate. Um, no, brilliant with the connection. As I said, it's, it's a huge strength of yours. I think it really is. And I think that the key thing there, like about being passionate and knowing the players, the players knowing that you care about their development, then you can, you've got a little bit of leeway with how you play that. Then sometimes you need to be a bit firmer with the older ones, but you can still connect with them on a personal level. I think it's it's really important. Um, one thing, Hayley, before we go on to some, some closing um, advice that you're going to give and a bit more about your personal career. When you've had so much experience, for, specifically from like under rates all the way up to, let's say, top end YDP and the PDP as well, how does your coaching change, whether that be like technical coaching or how does your coaching style change as you go through the pyramid or does it not change too much? How do you advance yourself through and work with those different age groups and adapt to those different um, age groups? Because you were doing it like within the same role, having to work with like seven, eight years apart sometimes. Yeah, I think, do you know, do you know I think Ross, because I've worked in a, in, a, in, a, in a school, so I've worked in a primary school as well, like doing work experience. So like, it's it's weird because like I think working in a secondary school and working in a primary school, they're completely different. Um, I think with the you know with the younger players, you've got to be a bit more patient. You got to kind of like like I said, you know, bring the energy. Um, be a kind of you have to you have to be like an actor, and and be a be a character and and kind of like, you know, drive the session. Um, break it down a little bit more. Um, with your coaching, um making the games more you know more kind of game based that like small sided games making it fun at an age group and i think with the younger ones i always put that in my head if i, I try to look to it is like if i'm in their sh shoes what am i going to do like what would i like you know what would take my boxes as a coach i would want a coach that is fun i want a coach that is a bit funny um talks a little bit not too not talk too much so like that's what i'll do like i'll go into the session say snappy words um, be a bit funny and then come out and then I wouldn't stop it as much. Um, I'll give them little detail and I'll kind of sometimes just put something on the board and say, look, this is a competition. There we go. Like, who's going to be the best? Uh, challenge them in that way. I think with the older ones, for me, it has to be a bit more structured, a bit more focused on team units. Um, definitely more commanded, more command, sorry. Um, you know, being honest with them, showing them that you're, you know, you can improve and and kind of drive that um yeah so that's kind of what i've done in terms of setting the high standards um in in to be fair i think all the age groups i've set high standards in terms of high intensity especially with the younger ones i remember doing one session where they were just blowing <laughs> so yeah so you know, that's where the ball mastery skills come into play but yeah i think you know that's kind of how I, how i coach throughout the phases arguably the, the the foundation phase is a harder um, skill set to be able to do than the top end, right? And there's a lot of top end coaches, ex-pros who probably wouldn't have the energy, the patience and the the way to connect with the younger players, possibly. I think, I think I've been very lucky in terms of, you know, from going from like 
because like, if you're a YDP lead, you're not going to go to wide um, foundation lead, are you? Like that, people look at that as a backward backward move. Um, and but yeah, for me, I, I kind of been lucky in terms of when I first started coaching, I'd done the college program, which is 18s. Then I went into QPR. Um, I went through like different age groups, like 12s, 11s. Then I went to QPR and done like H to 11s, and it was yeah. kind of like where I think where I've got at that time I had the daughter that was that age and it kind of helped that process of understanding kids and you know what are they into and you know what they're doing and stuff what's the latest you know video game or you know yeah yeah like that um but yeah like not not a lot of coaches have done that like YD, uh, foundation and then YDP and stuff like that so for me in terms of my CV it looks good and, and it, it helped me through my coaching as well it's arguably like a, a different skill, isn't it? Like, even though you're titled the same, it's so different to the top end that it's mm -hmm. like a, a different skill that maybe certain coaches are stronger in, in certain areas than others. Um, what, Hazy, just moving it on before we, we close off. So that, then what about your views around like first teams? I know you said you're not sure about whether you do the skills with them, the individual skills and the ball mastery stuff. Maybe that would depend on the level and their competency as well. But how do you see that? How do you see yourself as a coach challenging that? If you've got a first team coach role, what do you see the difference there between like first team players and academy players and how you would navigate the connection and also the coaching? Yeah. Um, like I've never coached at first, you know, but you know, hopefully one day, of course, that's that's my dream is to be a first team um assistant coach. Um I think I think like I would definitely do some type of ball mastery just like for little warm-up, like technical stuff um passing basic passing um but again it would just be about high intensity and keeping it high intensity you know driving it um speak and speaking not much like not too much because i know players again again first team players want to just play the game don't they um but yeah just kind of again just being you know teaching them units work and stuff like that um focusing it on the opponent as well so um you know the team that you're playing you know, what are their strengths or what are their weaknesses and how can we break them down? Um, so, yeah, I would definitely do it the first first two days, focus a lot on possession and stuff like that. And then, you know, maybe like the Thursday, Friday, do walkovers, um, walkthroughs in terms of the shape and stuff like that, how we're going to press, what, you know, what formation, what shape we're going to play um, and where can we expose their their weakness. Well, we'll be watching out for your, your career development, mate. You've done loads already. So hopefully one day we'll see you in the, in the dugout at a first-team job and I'm sure bringing your skill set. Last one from me then. So first-team assistant role is, is where you want to get to. But where's your dream job? What's your North Star? Um, like I said, for me, it's the first-team job. Um, like, I think that's the main reason, you know. I could, you know, everyone wanted to make it as a football player, but... You know, I think um, coaching is second best to be in a pro. Um, and then you always want the best of the best for you. So in terms of, like, I'm just enjoying being involved in football every day. And I think it's a blessing to be involved in football, you know, earning money within football. Because, um, you know, so I could have been doing something else. Um, and that's my passion is, you know, coaching, coaching my passion. So for me, like, yes, I want to be assistant first team coach somewhere. Um, could be abroad, could be in England. Like I said, I, I, I'm very open-minded. I'll go anywhere, um, anywhere, but not 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 if it's too cold. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, so like I, I don't know where it would take me. Like in terms of you know, I could be working abroad. Maybe one day academy manager somewhere, um, head of coaching, um, 
yeah, it's just, it's just, yeah, just right now I'm just kind of getting into this role and just learning and learning off of other people, different culture and then, and see what happens, see where it takes me. Brilliant, Hazy. Thank you very much. And last question then, just to the listeners, what one piece of advice would you give to coaches working at any level, uh, any age, any sport, what one piece of advice would you give to them? Um, I'll say coach as much as possible on the grass. Um, get your coaching hours, learn off of other coaches, um, learn what they don't do well and learn what they do well. Um, and literally just watch as much football as you go as you can and study um and just yeah look at sessions copy sessions um but make the session your own and add your own style to it bring energy bring, bring passion bring character bring personality excellent mate thank you very much it's been a pleasure to have you on today lee and a pleasure to catch up personally as well so from all of us here at um, locker and podcast and dss thank you very much thank you ross have a good one and awesome. you mate is.